Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Normally we stand for the reading of the Word, but I want to go to Acts 19 today, and I'm going to also today have it on the screen. Normally I don't, but we're going to go through this chapter this is where normally we start in Acts 2, uh, the celebrating of Pentecost. Pastor Steve opened the service with that. But the Lord put it on my heart to, to find us. And I think the American church, more so the American church than churches in the East and other parts of the world, uh, seem to be a little different than us. I, th- I think there's a, some issues we're dealing with as a nation, as a country, especially in the church world in America that uh, we really have a need to, to keep Pentecost and the emphasis of the Holy Spirit front and center because I think it's, in a lot of churches, have turned into a monumental thing, like a memorial thing, rather than a fresh experience. And so uh, I want us to go to Acts 19. This is 25 years after the day of Pentecost. I want you to make a note of that, what we're getting ready to read. And we have one of the greatest revivals uh, recorded in the book of Acts that took place 25 years after the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, I was trying to brush up on my Hebrew this morning. The original feast is Shawat, Shahat. So I'm sorry if you speak Hebrew, I just butchered that. Um, so that was the original uh, purpose of this weekend before the Holy Spirit descended in Acts. This is what uh, this is the time that the Jewish people still to this day just celebrated. This is a three-day feast. It started Thursday evening, and what it, what it was purpose was for was to celebrate the giving of the law from God to Moses, the Ten Commandments as we know it. And so, uh, if you celebrated that, what traditionally takes place is you start Thursday evening. And you stay up late every night for the next three nights reading and, and writing and discussing the law, the Ten Commandments. Do it by candlelight, do it throughout the night. Uh, you eat dairy foods, so if you are lactose intolerant, I don't know how you deal with that. But that represented the land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, and so there was a, a lot of traditions that was celebrated this past weekend Fast forward from Moses to the day of Pentecost, uh, they were all gathering into Jerusalem to celebrate the Shahat. Whatever that, I'm sorry, that, that, that they were coming from everywhere on that day. They were getting their supplies, it was a three-day feast, uh, they were getting excited, they all were located in this, and the temple was located in Jerusalem, so if you were from any surrounding areas you had to go there. This was one of the three feasts that was required you personally attend. And strange thing happened this time. While everybody was gathering for this feast, Jesus commanded his followers to be up in this little room and to wait for what they did not even know what they were waiting for. They did not even know what they were. He just said, wait for the promise of my Father and you will be endued with power. They're like, but man, I love to eat goat cheese. Why is he having us up here? Why are we up here? You know, I loved all this stuff. They didn't know, but they were obedient. And we learned over the last few weeks that there were actually 500 people invited to go and wait, but only 120 went. And man, did the 120 get blessed. You know, whenever we obey the Lord and it inconveniences us, or as Bishop said, it costs us something, I'm telling you something. God will reward our sacrifices. He always does that. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And man, were they rewarded. On that day of Pentecost, about 9 in the morning, on this day. Wow, some of us were just getting here, getting in the stream. Had some baklava. We had baklava on the stream today. So I was <laughs> so good, hallelujah, with some honey and all that, amen. So while we're having that, early in the morning, the Holy Spirit came into that upper room in power and a mighty rushing wind. Never has this happened. And when the first original celebration of the Shavhat 3,000 people died on that day because they transgressed the law. The Old Testament was about law. God said no one come to the mountain except for Moses, and he descended in fire. And there were people that were just not consecrated. They didn't take it seriously, and they went to the mountain anyway, and 3,000 died. That's the Old Testament. 
Well, the Bible says in the New Testament, when the Spirit of the Lord fell in that upper room, and 120 began to pray in tongues and speak in these languages and be filled with power and fire, they went out. And the Bible says that 3,000 people didn't die. 3,000 people were saved and added to the church. How many know the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life? Said all that to say that. The letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. Maybe you were raised in a church or come out of a church where it's all about tradition and ceremonies and law and and words. I'm telling you, you can't live on that. There's no fire, no fervency, and no momentum. But when you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life and the power and the presence of God gets into your life, gets into a church and gets into a community, it will make you have momentum to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to look at Acts 19 as we discuss the momentum of the Spirit. And if you want to take notes, uh, we made it easy for you, Felicia, and, and then we put a QR code. We love QR codes around here. Hit that with your phone and you have an automated uh, sermon notes. How about that? Right there. You just got to follow along. So I try my best to stay right in your way right when you try to do that. Acts 19, we'll go through these scriptures. First, let me just set it up a little bit here. A, a movement, when, when a movement loses its momentum, it becomes a monument. Let me say that again. When a movement, a moving of the Holy Spirit, a great revival, a great awakening, a movement of any kind, uh, loses its momentum, it just becomes a monument. And monuments have their place, and it is, it is important, it is proper, and it is appropriate for us to have memorials and celebrate, as we just did, those that have given their lives and lost their lives in war, in war and we remember and honor special people and special events over this weekend, Memorial Weekend. People will be visiting uh, memorials and monuments everywhere and putting blankets on grave sites and parades and ceremonies. And this is all good and this is going to be happening and has been happening all over the weekend. And it needs to continue. It, they have their place. God uses these feasts, as I just explained to you what Pentecost was, the purpose was twofold, though. When God has a, uh, these feasts and these memorials, they, were, they serve as two purposes. One is to, yes, remember the beginning, lest we forget. When we take communion, it is the whole purpose of that. As Jesus said, do this as often as you eat and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. We have to practice these things because we're human. We forget. No matter how old you are, you're going to forget these things. And then there's a lot of history in the Bible, and we forget the mighty things of what God has done. God said, I know you, I made you. So I'm going to have you uh, do these feasts and these holidays to remember the things that I have done. Over Pentecost, another thing, they would sit around and talk about the glory descending on the mountain there, where God delivered the law of Moses and delivered the children of Israel out of uh, bondage. Those stories are still told today with the Orthodox and Messianic Jews. And it should be told in our homes, and our families. Because that is our God, is what He's done. Because the Bible says in, in Judges, there was a generation that rose up that did not know the things of God. Did not remember the things of God. And I think that's where we're living at today. Thus I want to preach this message. But the second reason why God has feasts and holidays is not just for us to say, boy, those are good. Thank you, Lord, for what you did. Listen, lean in. God also wants us to experience these moments afresh. There it went. Amen? Christmas, it's not just that, oh, God sent his son. Here's a Christmas gift. Yeah, praise God. Put up a tree. It's not just to remember Christ being born. Although, yes, God said, I just don't want you to remember. I want you to experience the new birth. I don't want you just to say, Christmas is a day off, a time off. No, no, we're not to just look at those holidays and say, thank you for giving us Jesus, and we remember that. Yes, absolutely, but have you received the greatest gift God has given mankind? Hallelujah. 
Easter Sunday, we remember the most historical and powerful event recorded in human history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, a Jewish rabbi from Israel, from Nazareth, who had the largest following and impact. And more um, extra-biblical texts have been written on this one man, Jesus Christ, than Socrates, and play, than any other historian or philosopher known to man. There's more literature and proof of the existence and the impact of this Jewish rabbi from a tiny little village called Nazareth. Nazareth. We don't just say, thank you, Lord. We remember the resurrection. Listen, God wants you and me to experience the power of the resurrection in your life today in 2023. You getting it? But unfortunately, I believe that we have been witnessing something in our churches in America. It's been happening for a long time where we are just satisfied with the first part of what I said, just remembering the good old days. In fact, the city of Detroit, I love the city of Detroit. We visit it and go there often and may, may even go there later today. We love to go, especially downtown. It's, it's just so beautiful there. But Detroit has some of the most beautiful historic churches in our country. Some of the churches as early as 1701 were founded by the original uh, founders there that are still standing there today if you travel downtown. It's beautiful. I've been into some of them. Maybe you've been able to go to some of them. And they're gorgeous and they're pretty. And, but the sad reality is, is a lot, these churches today, what they're for, some of them do hold some religious services on certain religious days. But for the most part, none of them are for any other purpose than to take pictures or to admire the the architectural design and to say, look how beautiful it is. There's, there's no prayer in these churches anymore like they used to be. No services, no community outreaches, no, no power, no, no ministry. They're just a museum or a historical, uh, historic staple in the community, which is good, but which is also sad. Because this is the point I want to make, and you need to write this down. We're going to look at this uh, all, rest of the time in Acts 19. The purpose of the Holy Spirit wasn't to create religious monuments, but to give spiritual momentum. That's the whole reason why Jesus said, go wait in the upper room. Because I don't want you to celebrate Pentecost the way you've always celebrated it. I want to do something fresh in your life. And I need to give you a push. I need to give you some momentum. Because God knows where they were living in a day and we are living in a day where sin is rampant. Where the moral decline is just in the fabric of our nation. Morally is just disintegrating. It's just deteriorating all, all around us. And it's hard to keep our focus on God. So God said, I, I need to give you a push. Somebody say push. I need to give you a push. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. To help us live for the Lord. You received something this weekend. And many of you have. Many of you got, got filled last Sunday and refreshed. Listen, it's not just... For us to say, this is beautiful, let's write it down, and let's just uh, remember this forever. No, no, we have been empowered. God has invested in you. He has given you an experience, a power, and a push to get out there and to live for Jesus Christ in your neighborhood, in your family, in your work area. He's given you a push with the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 19, we find 25 years later, the Apostle Paul, let's read it as we go. And it says that it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. That's another minister. That Paul, having passed through the upper regions, he came to Ephesus. Ephesus is a city that's still there today. And he says, and the Bible says, and finding some disciples, I love this. First thing he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Look at the 25 years after the power of Pentecost, he finds these disciples, and the very first thing he asks them is, have you received the Holy Spirit? That just blows my mind of what kind of uh, person this Apostle Paul was. He didn't say, have you been water baptized? He gets to that in a minute. He didn't say, uh, you know, what ministry are you serving in? What aspirations do you have? What do you feel God's called you to do? What's going on in your personal life? How's your finances? No, no. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? 
want you to see this. Why? It's a, it's a priority because he says you're going to need this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? I love their answer. They said, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Some of you might have come from churches like that. Been in churches and religious worlds all your life. And they don't talk about the Holy Ghost at your church. They don't, you, we haven't even heard of this Holy Spirit, Paul. This 25 years after. And if you, I showed you a map of how far Ephesus was from Jerusalem. It wasn't all that far. But in the ancient world, they had no social media. They had no way of communicating except the old snail mail. And you could hire a runner from the Roman Empire who would who would run messages. And other than that, that was it. It was all hearsay. So that's why Paul was adamant when he went. And he, they said, we have not so much as heard, whether there is a Holy Spirit. And then he says to them, well, what then were you baptized? See, the, the key word is baptized. What were you baptized in? Weren't you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has been saying this since day one when he come on the scene. In fact, John said, I baptize with water, but there's one mightier than me coming after me whose sandal straps I can't tie, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. From day one, he said that. And they were like, whoa, I don't know what that is, but it sounds like something amazing. Jesus has been saying it and saying it about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they said, we haven't even heard about that. And I know Paul was, he was... He was faced with a decision, as we all are, and whether or not to just talk about the glory days with these 12 men, about how good Pentecost was, and the Spirit of God descended in the upper room. He could have just said, you know what, let me just tell you about what happened, and then let me just get you into a life group, and then get you into a connect group, or get you into this, and get you into that. And all of that is important. That's what the early church did. You need to get connected into the body of Christ. Absolutely. That's exactly how the early church overthrew Rome's religion. That's exactly how they did it. But first thing that we need is the power of the Holy Spirit. And he didn't say, let me just tell you about the glory days. That was his decision he was faced with. To tell you about the glory days or push them to experience it themselves. What do you think Paul did? The second. He said, guys, they had a little misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit and baptism, which is rightfully so, and probably many people, I still have conversations with folks in where where that's why we teach it. We've been talking about it. I don't have time to get into it now. We'll get some of the previous messages. Talked about the three baptisms before. It's on our YouTube channel. This needs to be explained because I think the enemy has done such a good job in misinforming people. And they're missing out on that power in the momentum. So Paul takes a minute and he says, you were baptized as a, as a disciple of Christ, but you were de- baptized under John. And he said, let me just start all over with you guys. How many know sometimes it's good to start all over? I love it. It's good to start all over. If you've been raised in a background where they told you you don't need the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit is just for those in the, in the early days or whatever. Listen, get that out of your mind and let the Holy Spirit start fresh with you and say, God, if you are true and if this is true and I need it, I want it. And Jesus name. Amen. That's the attitude that we need to have. And that's exactly what they did. If I say momentum. Why? Because momentum's coming. And so Paul went to him and he rebaptized him. And then look what happened in verse six. And then this is what he did. And Paul had his laid his hands on them and he's and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And the men there were about 12 people. Laying out of hands is something, it's a practice in Scripture. You don't have to have that happen because in Acts chapter 10, while Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit showed up in a room and and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I said that last night that I believe that happened because the people were so hungry and so ready. And Bishop Reed said, Friday, if you don't get filled now, keep seeking until you do get filled. But let me tell you a secret. I believe the secret of getting filled and having this heavenly experience is dependent upon your hunger. I just really do. You ever go out to lunch with somebody and you just ate or you're not that hungry, but they're eating and they sit down and they go, hey, you want some? The waitress comes over and I take your order. And you're like, you know what? I'm not eating. I just have a cup of coffee. And they're like, man, you know, give me cheeseburger. And they eat all this food. And, and uh, they order all this food. And, and the waitress says, okay. And the waitress comes and gives you your little cup of coffee, but gives him a food. And then you ever sit there, even though you ate, and you start looking at that food? Come on. 
Where's my people at? And be like, ah, oh, excuse me. <laughs> we have that, but cut in half or no bread, you know, I'm buying it here. <laughs> well, some of you may be like that person. Well, I'm not that interested, but I'm trying to make you hungry today for what the Holy Spirit has. Let you know that you need this power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need it to overcome your flesh. You need it to overcome the pull of the world and, and to walk in victory and to have momentum in your walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what he did here. They received the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak it to him. Now, now I want to move as we go through one of the greatest revivals in Ephesus. Look at the momentum at what this one experience did. If Paul would have just said, you know what? Let me just tell you about the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to move on. We would not have what I'm getting ready to show you. But an entire city was impacted. And if we ever need the church of Jesus Christ to impact its communities, it is right now. But let me tell you something. We've never had the number of megachurches as we have right now. We've never had the amount of megachurches we have right now in a country. And look at the spiritual uh, life of our nation. The answer isn't a bigger church. The answer isn't a religious, beautiful building. The answer is the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in each and every one of us right here. That's it. That's it. What's going to make a difference in your family and keep your kids walking the way that you want them to walk and the way God wants them to walk? Bring in the church is, is one. Yes, check that box. But you know what is greater than that? When mom and dad get the Holy Spirit on the inside of them and begin to live it at home in front of them. Let me just, I'm a, I'm a church kid. I'm a church kid. I've seen it. I've seen it. I grew up in it. And I know what I'm talking about. And many stray because of that. But what will hold them and what held me and pulled me back in is I could not deny that what my mom and dad had was way better than anything the world was trying to offer me. I didn't just read that. I had to, I had to discover that. And the prayers of mom and dad kept pulling me, kept pulling me, kept pulling me back. And it's the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that no man can come to God unless the Spirit draws you. You see how important the Holy Spirit is? And he's not even talked about in our churches. Hallelujah. Look at what happened in the city. I would love for this to happen to Van Buren in southeast Michigan. This is happening. Some of our churches are experiencing revival. James River is recording some of the greatest miracles of their church history that's happening right down there, what's going on. Other other places are happening, but let's get into it. Then it says in uh, chapter, still in chapter 9, look at verse 11 and 12. Now it says, God worked, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. I, I want to give you these six things as we just run through this, this text of the revival uh, of what momentum can do when a church gets the momentum of the Holy Spirit. When you get the momentum of the Holy Spirit, this is what should happen. Again, because the Holy Spirit isn't, Pentecost isn't about experiencing it for ourselves. It's about being empowered for service. It's about being empowered to live for God. Amen? And that's what happened here. And these 12 got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then this began to happen. And it says, unusual miracles. You need to write down, the Holy Spirit does miracles. I just want to say that. I just want you to show, show you that. This is the difference right here. The Holy Spirit does miracles. And it, sometimes it's strange. It said, strange miracles. All miracles are strange if you've never seen one. But here, these are strange miracles that the Bible says. They think it's strange when sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up. And it amazes me that people think it's strange when God does a miracle. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 28 when he's standing in front of King Agrippa. He's standing in front of these senators and the political uh, leaders of his day. And he's standing there and he's talking about God. And the scripture says, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's in chains and he's talking. I love it. I love the thing he says. He says, why do you think it's so uh, amazing that God can raise the dead? Standing in that Senate floor. If you believe God created the heavens and the earth, if you believe God sent His Son, born of a virgin woman, and being in flesh, and lived a sinless, perfect life, and walked on water, and raised someone from the dead, and opened blinded eyes, and caused the lame to walk, if He would die on the cross and then come back to life in three days, why is that so hard to believe that He could do a miracle today? 
But the center of our Christian faith hinges on that. And we seem to be okay with that. I believe that. i got a cross on my neck. Hallelujah. That's not what it's for. What about miracles? Are you seeing people get delivered and healed? And families being brought back together? Marriages being restored? Uh, meth addicts being set free by the power of the Holy Spirit? Only God can do that. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And the Holy Spirit still does it today. He still does it today. Momentum. Somebody say Momentum. A religious ceremony ain't going to set you free, brother. It's long and boring. But a power gets in the room. When the anointing gets on a speaker, when an anointing gets on a musician, we all can get goosebumps when somebody sings with talent. But when someone stands under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, things begin to change. Depression leaves the room. Anxiety leaves the room. Everything that is hindering us leaves the room. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has entered the room. Shoo, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit does miracles. Everybody say that with me. Holy Spirit does miracles. Jesus said these signs and wonders will accompany the, the gospel. It's supposed to be a regular everyday occurrence. And in America, it seems to be so rare. Talk to other pastors in other countries. I, we're tr- planning a trip to Africa. I can't wait to go later this year. You wouldn't believe the miracles. It is nothing to come on a Sunday morning and see a miracle right in front of you happen. Just gourds that have a problem over there with all kinds of things that we don't really have a, too much over here. They don't have the modern medicine. These things disappear during worship service. And, and just, just the, people, it's amazing. They don't even record it. It's like, yeah, it's a Sunday. And then they get a tribal voodoo Satanist come in there and try to put a curse on them, fill with the devil, and they go under the power of the Holy Spirit. God sets them free. They go, oh, well, ushers drag them out. Let's go. Let's continue to worship. Merciful God, I am a In America, how long is he going to go? I got to go. And, shh, he's, gonna, he's not closing yet. I think the difference is that right there, seriously. Our hunger... Our hunger ain't there, bro. We don't really need it. If we're honest, we don't need no miracles. We got medicine. We don't need revelation. I just look it up on Google. Hey, Siri. I'm being funny, but I'm not. If you go to other places of the world, they don't have none of that. You know how they get their breakthrough? My son has cancer. My son has cancer, almighty God. Oh, great God of heaven who created everything I see. I need a miracle from heaven right now, oh God. I need you to restore my life. I need you to break the power of Satan off my family. This is how they do it. And I don't get up, God, until you do a miracle. As Jacob wouldn't refuse to let, he refused to let go, God, so will I. That's why they happen. That's why they happen. Holy Spirit does miracles. Everybody say momentum. Hallelujah. Jesus. Verse 13. Let's continue with this miracle, this, this revival. God wasn't done with just miracles. That's just the beginning. With aprons. See, they would take aprons, pieces of cloth, and they would have Paul pray over them. Not like he's some special man because he repeated himself. He's the least of all of them. It was the anointing on them, and it was their faith that did it. Thank God we don't have none of these napkins today because they'd be selling them on TBN for $99.99.99. Or, I'm not dogging TBN. It's a powerful network reaching a lot of people. But Christian TV, it would be, it would be totally abused if it, someone did that. But it was just a strange miracle. What healed them wasn't the piece of cloth. It was the faith. And that's what still heals today. Verse 13 says, Then some of uh, itinerant Jewish exorcists. Oh, here we go took it upon themselves, and there's the problem. Underline that in your Bible. This is the problem. They took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. So we have, And then he says, and then seven sons of Sceva, a, high pre, a chief priest, were doing this. And they found this guy. They came up into his house, and they said, we command you by the Jesus who Paul preaches. And so go to the next slide. And the evil, evil spirit one day, he said, I'm going to have a little fun with these people. 
He answered back unto him and said, Hey, I know Paul, and Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom it was one man, one man, leaped on all seven of them, beat them up, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house, wounded and naked. That would make the headlines out somewhere. This is this has happened. This is in your Bible. This is exactly what's happening. And I could go, I can spend, I was, when I got here, I said, oh God, I, I'm going to go down so many rabbit trails. But I'm not. The only thing I want to say here, because I'm going to talk about angels and demons and the spiritual warfare and how, why it's so important for us to be missional. Being missional is one of the most engaging ways in spiritual warfare that you and I can ever do. It's being missional. And I'll, I'll show you. Every time the apostles tried to advance the kingdom of God, they encountered the enemy. But they drove the enemy out, and they continued to preach the gospel. They didn't make a publication or a new ministry over it. They, in fact, one woman was demon-possessed. She was a fortune teller. She followed Paul around for many days, the scripture says. And why did Paul tolerate it? Because he wasn't on a mission to, cast, to look for de- devils. His mission was to preach the gospel. She kept interfering. He said, I've had it with this. In the name of Jesus, come out and deliver her. And then he went right back to being missional. But the thing I wanted to say about this is that the Holy Spirit exposes powerless religion. This is what I want you to see, the bigger picture. Don't go into the demonic stuff. I just want you to see the big picture here. These religious people used the name of Jesus. They had the name right. They had the name right, but their heart was wrong. They did not even know God. Let me tell you something, the the name Jesus is not a magical word that you and I, that anybody can just use to to get a breakthrough or a victory. He's not a a hocus pocus, rub the genie lamp, do what I want you to do, Jesus. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says the only one that the Holy Spirit will be in agreement with are those believers that are submitted to God. Four of you got it. It's not the loudest. It's not the most knowledgeable in Scripture. James tells it like this. Be submitted to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Everybody says, resist the devil, he'll flee. No, back up, homeboy. Boom, and then go up. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Those that are submitted to God, resist the devil, then he'll flee. Baby, you try to stand in front of a devil and, 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 and cuss the devil out and fight that. Listen, you fight against the devil, but not like the devil. Come on, somebody. The enemy listens for those that know God. Jesus, I know. I know he was like, oh, we're going to have fun with these seven brothers. They backed him up. So there, if you read this story, there was actually, it was happening all over the place. There were many trying it. He just, Luke wrote about these right here. Luke wrote the book of Acts. He just focused in on the priests, the preacher's kids, seven of them. They thought because they were in church that they had the same power. They thought because they were pastor's sons that they could get a break. The devil said, I don't care if you are the Pope. Seriously. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you and you are not submitted as Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I ain't got to obey you. That's Bible. I had 20 minutes, I'd show it to you. This is what Naaman did in the Old Testament. But there's powerless religion. And look at this. Uh, Paul wrote in the last days. He says in the last days before Christ comes, he said there will be churches, there will be people that will have a form of godliness. Hallelujah. Welcome to my church. They will have a form of godliness, but deny the power. Deny the power. Paul said, Timothy, don't be hanging around them clowns. Can I tell you that we have got so many religious institutions, and I said this last week, I'll say it again. The devil is not afraid of good moral people. Being a good moral person, is that good, Pastor Eddie? Yeah, absolutely. But the devil don't run because you're a good, moral, honest person and don't cheat on your taxes or your wife. You drive a pickup truck and have a dog. The devil does not run from good, moral people. He runs from Jesus-loving people. You get that. Please, if you haven't heard anything, hear that. That is truth. That is what the enemy is afraid of. That's why the enemy wants to keep us uh, powerless from this right here. The devil said, I ain't afraid of these jokers. 
You don't know Jesus. You don't know God. And I don't know me. And the world, and later in, in 2 Timothy, when Paul is talking about this, later he says that, let me paraphrase, people will be tired of going to these false religious spiritual institutions because they're going to discover that they don't work. And let me just lean into those of you that may be experiencing with some spiritual stuff out there and looking into different things and call it, you know, religious and you have your morning time and there's all kinds of options out there now besides Jesus Christ. And many in our culture are falling into that. Well, the Bible says that many are going to do that, have an itching ears, and they're going to walk away from those that are preaching the truth. But you know what? Later on, Paul says that many are going to discover that, that it doesn't fill your emptiness. You're going to discover that you still are bound, that you're still in need of deliverance. And that's where the church needs to come in and say, hey, I'm not condemning you. I'm opening up my arms. Come, taste of the real, of the real fountain of living water that will never dry up from you. Come, taste of Jesus Christ. Come, get some of the real thing right here. It's not spiritual stuff. It's biblical stuff. It's Jesus Christ and him alone can set you free. Come on, somebody. Oh, I thought you'd get more excited about that this morning. Come on. Hallelujah. Taste and see. Just like that water's refresh, refreshing, so is the Spirit of the Lord. Holy Spirit exposes powerless churches. I was reading how the Assemblies of God is just really experiencing a revival within certain demographics. And one of them is the Latin uh, community. Uh, the Assemblies of God now is made up of 40% of our constituents are Latin. Latin. And this is due to a revival that broke out in Central America, Latin America, probably almost 20 years ago. And they come leaving out of traditional churches like crazy. We were going to Honduras and saw it firsthand. And uh, they're coming out of those stale religious institutions because there's no spirit. There's no power. And they're flooding into the Pentecostal movement and, and the things. And I asked Pastor Alberto, I said, why do you think this is? And he said one word. Well, two or three words. Spiritus Santos. Spirit of God. He said, it's the Spirit of God, Eddie. It's the Spirit of God. That's what makes a difference. Your religious exercises and religious traditions, they only go so far. You need the Holy Spirit. Let's keep going. Verse 17, this is another momentum. This is what happens when a church gets momentum. When you get momentum, you begin to see the miraculous take place. You begin to see that dead religion isn't the answer. You start getting hotter and on fire for God. Verse 17, it says also, and then the name of the Lord was magnified. The Spirit always magnifies Jesus. The Spirit of God always magnifies Jesus. Let me bring it into your life. When you have the Spirit of God, in your life, and you do when you get saved. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you are born again, you are on your way to heaven. Absolutely. But when you experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this second work of grace, as we've done, showed it to you in the scripture, this is what Paul did, right? Because what did he say? Have you experienced since you believed? He didn't say, you want to believe? No, they already were disciples. Read it. He said, have you experienced the second work since you believed? They said, no. He said, now you need to do it. Let me show you how to do it. He laid hands on them, they received it. When you begin to do that, I love this, the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus. What does magnify mean? Magnify means uh, make something easier to find. When the Holy Spirit begins to live in us the way that we are supposed to be living, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it should be easy for people to see Jesus in you. That's this point right here. When you struggle with living for God and not sharing your faith and some of your co-workers and family members really can't even tell a difference in you. You can barely tell a difference in you. You need this momentum. You need, because the Holy Spirit magnifies the life of Jesus in your life, as it did here. It magnified Jesus everywhere they went. Let's keep going. Verse 18. Then it says, And many who believed came confessing their sins. They came. What is this? The Spirit moves people to repentance. Spirit of God moves us to... Listen, when the Spirit of God, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, sin has to go. I said sin has to go. The Holy Spirit, what did Jesus say? When He comes, He will convict the world of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts of sin. That's His job. The Holy Spirit, He won't stop you from sinning, but He'll stop you from enjoying the sin. Come on, Christians. Don't look at me all holy on this Memorial Weekend. You know what I'm talking about. 
He won't stop you from He's not going to show up and say, oh, don't go to that website, you know, little angel. Don't do that. Don't cuss that co-worker out. Don't say that. Don't ram that car. No, I'm saying. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. There'll be no angel. No, 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 no. You go ahead and do what you know you ain't supposed to be doing. And if you have the Spirit of God living in you, you're going to feel like David did when he cut the garment of Saul. His heart smote him. He was like, what have I done? Oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? Oh, this ain't right. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have spoke against that person. I I shouldn't have. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. This is another thing we don't do much in America. Forgive me, God. Forgive me for talking about them like that, Lord. They are made in your image. And you love them just as much as you love me. Forgive me, God, for that. Sanctify this tongue, God, in my mouth. Help me, God, to get victory over it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's repentance. And then we stop doing it. Hallelujah. How many think that our culture needs a dose of what I'm talking about right now? And listen, let me just dip into this for a minute and I'm going to dip out. There's a lot of us who watch a lot of stuff on podcasts and YouTubes and a lot of it's good and, and, and they are Christian people. But be careful that you're not just one of, a person that is tied into someone who's just beaten up on the world all the time and never gives a remedy of hope of the gospel. Because you cannot war against the world and want to save the world at the same time. I love what Ed Stetzer said. Absolutely. And some of our videos that we watch are just bouncing and proclaiming, this is what Washington's doing now. This idiot here. This idiot here. They're so stupid. And we hear, and a lot of it is true. A lot of the decisions that's being made on different levels and corporations and in our government is absolutely anti-God. and anti- Yes, absolutely. But you've got to not lose sight of the mission. The moment we are in doesn't mean that we've got to pause the mission we are on. Hallelujah. We still got to remember the mission that we are on is to save the lost. They're deceived. They're blinded. They're filled with evil just like we were before we came to God. We are the weapon. We are the answer. But we need the momentum or we're not going to do it and move forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 19. Also, many of those who had practiced magic, they burned them. They brought the, the books out in front of everyone and in the sight of them. And they burned these books that had to do with the occult. Ephesus was known for a uh, religious hub of all religions. It was a place where um, they believe a meteor uh, fell from heaven. And they say that that was the, the uh, Zeus delivering the goddess Diana, so they made this temple, and it was, Ephesus was like the red light district, it was wild, Ephesus was wild, Corinth and Ephesus, two places that were the most wildest places in the, in the first century, in the Mediterranean and in that part of the world, by the way, we plan on going there next fall, so those that want to go in the footsteps of Paul, we're going to go see this place, it's still there, Ephesus, and many of the temples in Corinth are still there, you can see what this was, So they dabbled in all kinds of idol worship and pagan worship. But when the Lord shows up, and this is the point, the Spirit delivers people from satanic deception. Oh, I wish I had 20 more minutes. This is what momentum does, see? you got religious institutions that are just religious institutions. The things of the Holy Spirit, this is what the church is supposed to look like. Miracles are supposed to happen. Repentance is supposed to be happening. People being delivered from satanic oppression and possession. People being uh, delivered from lies and deception that they thought that they had. These people, there was probably a time in their life they didn't see nothing wrong reading those uh, books and saying those charms. They didn't. They didn't. They did it openly. But when the Holy Spirit showed up, when Paul walked into Ephesus and said, "Oh, whoa, 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 guys." Why are you worshiping these things? They're just stones. Actually, there are demon spirits behind these things, but that's another. He said, the, the point is that they're just stones. Why are you loving something that can't love you back? America, we don't worship idols, but we worship ourselves in substances. And I would ask you the same thing. Why do we love things that don't love us back? Paul said, those things are leading you the wrong way. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about God. And they begin to respond to the message of Paul and the message of Jesus Christ. And they added up the value. Do you know how much money? Do you know how much money this was? It says it was 50,000 pieces of silver. 
One piece of silver was the same as one day's wage. So this is 50,000 workdays wages being represented. Astronomical amount of money. See, because money don't matter when you really get the Spirit of God in you. Let me just throw that out there. Not preaching about money, but I'm telling you, something. I mean, you look at money different. Money is a tool. Money is a horrible master, but it makes a wonderful servant. Come on, somebody. That's worth writing down right there. Money makes a horrible master, but a wonderful servant. Come on, somebody. That's what money is supposed to do. That's what money is supposed to do. These people had all this money invested in this religion and invested in this thing. And when they heard the truth, they said, we're going to get rid of this. I pray for this to happen in our country. We've got so many different uh, cults, cultic-like beliefs. And man, it's all over the place. And it's just spreading like fire. But when the true church begins to rise up, and this is why we need the momentum. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to be able to bring this power in. I'll never forget Sister Lambert. She's with the Lord now. She always would tell the story. She worked at the airport, and she worked, and there were some ladies that she worked with that was dabbling in the satanic called New Age, and they had their own beliefs. And for lunch break one time, they thought it would be funny. They brought in a Ouija board, and they've been using this Ouija board at home and having these seances, but they don't call them that. And they brought it in, and Sister Lambert was eating her lunch, and just a spirit-filled powerhouse, Sister Lambert was. And uh, man, she's just a powerhouse woman of God. She sat down to eat lunch, and they sat down at the end of the table, and they broke out that Ouija board. And she looked, and she saw it, and she just kept eating her food, and nothing was happening. And she goes, that thing is not going to work when I'm sitting here at this table. <laughs> they were going, oh yeah, they knew she was a Christian. They were like, come on, let's do it. And she caught one of them trying to push it, you know. And she's sitting there eating her sandwich. And nothing was happening. Finally, the other girl, they got up, they got mad, they got up and left. And the other girl came over and said, why is that? She said, honey, because I got the real thing. She said, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And there's all kinds of demonic things. Some of it's fake, some of it's real. But none of it's God. Let me say that again. I might have went fast. My brain sometimes goes way faster than my mouth, and I'm trying to work on that. Pray for me. Pastor Eddie got all kind of stuff going on up here. When I was seven years old. Mama, I know if they had this medicine, Mama would have put me on a drip. I'm telling you, I was so hyper. And sometimes I watch my preaching, and I go, slow down. It's good. Come from God. Some things are fake. Some things are real in the occult. But none of it's of God. You need to know that. They burned their books. They burned it and said, I'm out. I'm out of this stuff. I don't want it no more. And they began to see a revival. Let's, let's start closing. And then jump down to verse 23 in chapter 19. This is, what, this is what happens. This is all what happens when momentum gets into a believer and gets into a church. It says, and about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. Let me tell you something, when the church really begins to move in this momentum, we're going to cause a commotion in the culture. The Bible goes on, and here's the point, spirit impacts culture. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We can argue, we can debate, we can have conversations, and we need to do all three. We're losing the art of debate, have you noticed? No, no longer do we want to sit down and talk is if you don't agree with me, you're a hater, and they come at you. It's like we're disagreement. We're, we're losing even some of our college professors, and, and high ups are starting to realize that, that. That's a very important piece of our intellectual development, is being able to sit down and hold conversations. And they're noticing this, and they're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I told you how Yale University had a prayer meeting a month ago, and a thousand students turned up to pray. Yale University. Because they're seeing that we're, we're losing some of this progressiveness that we're seeing is, is, is folks are going, whoa, 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 we're going a little bit too far with some, we're losing some of these very valuable treasures that made our country great and free. And one of them is to sit out and have conversations and to debate and talk about these things. This is what Jesus did. This was his ministry. This is what Paul did. He would go into the synagogues and persuade them. Hallelujah. But then there comes a time as you begin, you and I begin to infiltrate culture with the momentum of the Holy Spirit. You're going to start making waves. And let me just tell you something. I love what Ed Stetzer, Ed Stetzer said. We went to a synergy. 
This guy is, serves on a board that goes to the White House. He represents, I mean, this guy has just got his hands in everything. And he says, Christians, quit being afraid you're being canceled. You're already canceled. Get it in your mind, you're already canceled. So that doesn't mean you've got to be uh, offensive and, you know, no, 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 but we, we don't want to share. You can't preach the truth and not offend people. You can't have it both. You can't. Because we live in a culture that don't even know what truth is anymore. It's your truth, it's my truth. And we're all entitled to our own opinion, but we're not entitled to our own truth. And I need to say that again, going too fast. We're all entitled to our own opinion. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we're not entitled to our own truth. If you believe that, amen. You might have been lied to because there's only one way to heaven. There's only one person that died for you. And there's only one way to get the momentum. And that's the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit wasn't to create religious monuments, but to give spiritual momentum. Do you need momentum in your life today? Can we stand to our feet right now? This, what we read in Acts chapter 19, I pray would happen to Van Buren Township. I pray it would spread through southeast Michigan. I pray it would spread throughout this country. A wave of repentance, miracles, people coming out of the religious and non-religious, just secular arenas that were raised. We're, re- we're seeing people now who has no church background. They don't understand Hardly anything when it comes to Bible truth. They haven't had any of that put into them. I think that's a great thing for the church because we don't have to, you know, jump over all these hurdles. We can just preach the straight truth to them in love. And they're like, whoa, I've never heard that before. I want it. And they end up being some of the most committed believers ever. But today's Pentecost Sunday and we've had a Holy Spirit moving time. I know I'm preaching, but on the inside, I'm a little tired. We had an awesome Friday night with Bishop Reed. Am I the only How many enjoyed that as much as I did that was here? It was amazing. Last night was beautiful. There was about halfway through, I was on my knees worshiping. I just, the presence of the Lord came in here in such a mighty way. It was so beautiful. But today is Pentecost Sunday, Memorial Day. I know you may have yard stuff to do like me. I do. I know. Let's put that all on hold right now. Let me ask you this. Do you need some momentum in your life? Pentecost is not a monument, a memorial. That was beautiful. I read it in Acts 2. Have you received since you believed? I can't give you the Holy Spirit. I don't have it to give. Jesus is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you receive some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen